Hello listener, Matt here. Support Ben, read his ramblings, or find further notes on this show at securitized.com, spelled S-E-C-U-R-I-T-Y-Z-E-D.com. Hello, and welcome to The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Raphael Fiedler. Have I said that 150 times? I think so, yeah. Happy 150th episode. And and it's probably actually even more than that because I know I fucked up a couple of times. And I had to, to re-record it. That's yeah. bizarre. Yeah. Well, and thank you all for for sticking with it for this long. And you but, and you uh, do say it new each time. It's not like we have a, a loop of you saying that and we just sample it and and play it. It's <laughs> we get to just say it. Wait 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 wait. Is that an <laughs> Matt, Matt, as sound engineer, you've been holding out on me. Is that? <laughs> wait a sure. second. Yeah, get, get, give me a nice clean uh, sample of it, and and yeah, I'll just copy and paste it each time. <laughs> oh, that's a really good idea. Except, no, wait. You know, except I'll, I'll tell you the problem. The issue would be how it blends right into the naming each other and how we have like, like Joey's missing this week. And and yeah. it's a, it's a big sadness. We really wanted him here. Um, he does add something. Uh, he detracts from Matt's hillbilliness, I think. And, <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes we have guests. So yeah. with that little opening lead in, it kind of couches the, the introductions a little better. So. Right. Right. It's a nice warm, warm hug to, to lead the episode off. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And I think as for as long as I've been here, like you have never re-recorded this part. Because I can't like I can't, really? I can't recall. Oh no, I don't. Oh yes, so. he he has. I th I think that they were episodes that you weren't on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Like but it has been like I for for quite long now. So I, I think so, what Rafti is saying is he is our good luck charm. Mm. Every time we have the Australian contingent here. <laughs> I don't screw up. It's all those wallabies <laughs> but, and kangaroos. Exactly. <laughs> but um, so has it been three years now? Has it been? You started. Has uh, it been? Yeah. No, because it's, it's like it's close. Every it's one week. week. Yeah. 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 Like in a couple of episodes, it will be three years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 50 is, is a better number, but 52 weeks is a year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Look at you doing math. 156 would that be the actual that would be three times 52 i am impressed matt you're doing better than i am. hey i didn't even have to take my shoes off to count that with that one <laughs> of course it depends i don't know if we had a leap year in between one well, of those it also depends matt says he's gonna take his shoes off you know most hillbillies don't have all their toes either you know, <laughs> what with muskrat traps and all that kind of thing firecracker incidents exactly exactly yeah. spilled moonshine some, next to flammable objects yeah i think some years have 53 years with like leap things going on and stuff 53 weeks yeah. yeah yeah some yeah. years okay yeah. well whatever anyway it's a long damn time we've said that a lot and i'm glad to have you all here for uh this happy to be it's here milestone yeah absolutely yeah. um so this week we're just kind of going to do a pastiche of current and maybe some not so current events um and just kind of catch up with things on on where everybody's at and what's going down um i want to I start with you know what i consider the big news uh wannabea launched a new product in alpha release yeah. well as of hearing this it'll have been last week um for basically the one-year birthday of the brand and content wannabe we launched wanna practice our question app to help uh candidates for certification exams do their studying um you all were given early access to yep without telling the truth what did you really think <laughs> how much are you paying me <laughs> not as much as it costs to develop the app I'll tell you that. yeah no i i signed on to it and i thought it was it was great it's slick uh it looks good it feels good uh it it, it checks all the boxes for for preparing someone through uh questions and answers and 
gives you a score at the end. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know how expensive this was to develop or how much, how intense it was. I know you already had a, a library of questions and answers because you've been releasing questions for your, your courses. So I, I assume you just pulled from all those, but um, yeah, you know, the typical uh, Ben Maliso uh, uh, humor is in some of the questions <laughs> some of the some of the possible answers uh are are uh stand out as being very unusual and, and along ben's uh ben's uh line of uh uh yeah, humor uh, but but yeah no i thought it was it was it was great i think it'd be very helpful for anybody i'm surprised that you're saying that it's still an alpha because it it seems polished and ready from to go i don't know why you would yeah, even... but... yeah sorry but because it's is it because it's a web app is this the reason why you call it an alpha I use it on my phone. Uh, like I open it uh, on the phone, and it's like it feels very native. I agree with Matt. Sorry to jump in there, but yeah. like this would be my my guess. Is it because it's a web app, and you want to have it native on iOS and Android? And that, that's an excellent point, and I'm glad you said we did optimize it for mobile, so it should look good on a smartphone, regardless it of the does. fact that it's still. Oh, good, awesome, thank you. I'm really glad to hear that. No, I, I'll tell you the real reason it's in alpha. Um, we haven't connected billing yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we can't even let people pay for it if they wanted to, uh, which is why, you know, we're doing this temporary, you know, play testing free demo uh, release. And there's another functionality we're going to be adding to it, even in beta before we get to release 1.0. Um, I don't want to say what it is. It's something none of the competitors are offering. It's something kind of revolutionary to study question apps. And I'm hoping it really makes want to practice a cut above everything else. So that's kind of why we're doing the alpha beta full rollout. Cool. Um, but we'll get there soon, hopefully. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Good. Uh, I like the logo too. I like the way the, the, the logo uh, looks as yes. well. Yeah, when I saw that the first time, it's very cool. Can you put oh. like, a picture of it in the show notes like just the, oh, yeah. the logo. I'll, I'll definitely do that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, please I'll put a please link. do yeah because the wannabe um, logo is cool but i think this is a twist to it that i like a lot i wanted to comment on this as well i'm so glad to hear i'm gonna pass that along to rachel she's been our graphics person since the inception um she's done a great job she color codes each different cert so that the the material is consistent from the book to the website to the PowerPoint slides. The color for CCSP is that the SSCP is that. And so she did the rebranding of Wanna Practice, and I think she just knocked it out of the park. And yeah. Thank you. Good. Good. I'm really glad to hear that too. Uh, it looks professional, right? We, yeah. we seem like grown up. <laughs> Quite possibly the first time I've ever said that about. Uh about you but yes it is very professional it's very slick <laughs> and very uh, grown up you know, uh, and, and i don't know if you noticed she retained the securitized badger for the the uh url blot in the oh in i didn't notice that cool. bar. Uh, yeah uh, yeah icon up in the yeah top. cool yeah it's still there baby con uh yes yeah. that. thank you thank you um now with that said, um, yes, you both noticed that it's it's in web right now. It will be coming to Android fairly soon. That was our first um, big jump. Probably will do Apple in the future. It's just that's a lot trickier and, and a different approach. But uh, yes, we should have it uh, uh, available for any platform. Is it going to be more expensive by 30% on, on Apple devices? You know, that's a really good question. And, and, and I think what we're going to do is the Netflix model where mm, the app will be, yeah, the app will be free to download to your phone, but when you want to register, it'll kick you out via link to the, the URL and you'll have to register through our portal. Um, cause uh, you know, otherwise, yeah, the, the, the Apple takes a big bite and we just don't want to pay Apple for doing our work. <laughs> unfortunately yeah. yeah yeah okay so what what sort of payments will you accept will you accept cryptocurrency just as a curiosity uh no i don't <laughs> think so we're going through stripe so i think it'll be just credit yeah. card now yeah, yeah, if yeah. you want to send me cash through the mail like you accept payment for safing i'll be glad to take it it just can't be euros it has to be real money <laughs> okay all right I'll accept bright, <laughs> shiny seashells. I'll accept beads. 
but not euros. but no euros i no see euros. okay well yeah. <laughs> but they're right, they're so. shiny and they're bright lots of different colors <laughs> on the euro side you know everything in is different other, shapes and sizes in <laughs> other news i just wanted to share this because i find it kind of brilliant um in relation to our music episode and in relation to our recent american history um mentions um matt do you know who john hinckley is uh uh, he shot the president. Which president was it? John Hinckley? Uh, shot Reagan. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was uh, wait, so, back through. Oh, it may not have been dug on it. We may need to edit this because I'm not sure if it was Hinckley. Now I may be messing it up. Uh. <laughs> Recording is stopped. Uh, <laughs> It was Hinkley. It was Hinkley. Uh, yeah, um, he did. And uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but evidently he's out now. Oh, really? Yeah. It seems like I may have known that, but because uh, he was uh, mentally incapacitated or something like that. He Something he... like that. Yeah. You know, not that you can ever really truly be considered sane if you take a shot at the president, you know. Um, uh, but um he's on twitter and, <laughs> and of all platforms <laughs> and he's and he's he's making music this is his current aspiration oh well, and, good for him which is why i thought it kind of tied into our episode and because presidential day, assassinations <laughs> yeah you know well you got to find a new hobby you know <laughs> i think it's a court ordered thing and um he he mentioned the other day that he was just in the recur, recording st uh, studio and cut eight tracks for his new album, and I you know I don't follow him on Twitter. It just popped up in my feed, but I do follow um, uh, Wilfred Riley, uh, who I happen to love, and it was his response that I find just outstanding. His simple response to Hinckley's announcement was. Keep shooting for the stars. <laughs> because it's a play on shooting a gun. And you think? Was a you star. Know, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So <laughs> clever. I, I, I really like that. Um, all right. Uh, now, the other thing uh, we were talking about more uh, tangible to information security, uh, we wanted to discuss what happened with our colleagues over at Last. Rafti, what is LastPass? Okay, yeah. Well, LastPass is a password manager. I actually, like years ago, I think almost it might have been even 10 years ago, I started using them. Uh, I switched a, a long manager? time ago. Yeah, yeah. Password manager is a piece of, um, it's multiple piece of software. Um, in the end, um, you install something and um, it's supposed to be a vault where you keep all your passwords and a different password for each website, a different password for each account. Um, and you want to have in there um, your username, your password, a web address, maybe a note, maybe a two-factor thing as well. I think we, we discussed about two-factor and that that actually is a thing you know, not a thing you have, like with the TOTP thing. Um, and it's supposed to sort of encrypt all of this and synchronize it so that you can have it on your phone and on your computer. And what this then allows you to have very long and strong passwords, which you would never type because they're like 100 plus characters long. And you could and never you, remember them. You and, could exactly, and it, exactly. And it ties into your browser and it ties it, into your online accounts and it travels with you. So exactly. it's not it's not stuck with the device, right? Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are password managers who are. There are local ones. There are different mods to this. This is the reason why I started how I did. Um, but like LastPass in particular, of course, had multiple apps. You could have it on your phone, on your tablet, on your computer. And Does it also it? do password protection for programs and applications and local storage on the device itself as opposed to just web-based stuff? Or is it is it mostly just for browser stuff? 
Everett, you can just like you can basically put in there whatever you want. So if it has an account, if it has a something you you want to store, like maybe a seed for for crypto stuff. I know a lot of people have been doing this as well. Maybe consider like reconsider this, but um, of course you can put in there whatever you want, you know. And it's encry- okay. it's it's supposed to encrypt everything and then store it. I I don't use LastPass. I I remember looking at it the year it came out. And, and and thinking that it was a good idea for some people in some um, in some implementations and some practices, and evidently it's become very very popular. Right? It's a it's a it's a good way to achieve strong password usage without having all of the difficulty of users forgetting strong passwords and so forth. Yeah, um, yeah. and of course the passwords are longer typically as well. Right. Right. Because like. Even that's if that's the reason I put in exactly because typing something with a hundred characters, if it's not it's, like yeah, word, it's untenable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Matt, what happened with LastPass? Oh, they got breached. Did they now? <laughs> if there's now, one now, place you don't see, want to have breached. <laughs> now let's see. Let let's see if I understand this correctly. LastPass, the company, got breached. But that shouldn't affect users' passwords, right? Because users' passwords are stored on their devices or, you know, in their accounts. That's their users aren't part of the LastPass corporate account. That shouldn't affect them at all. No, they well, of course. Sorry, man. No, go ahead. <laughs> of course, you're synchronizing. It's if it's not a device-to-device synchronization, oh. they will have a, a cloud backup. Yeah, so last pla- LastPass was storing user data for their account, so it could be portable from device to device, in the cloud at LastPass cloud headquarters. Now, obviously, that stuff is only accessible to the users. There's no way that LastPass has any access to user accounts, right? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's stovepiped. It's compartmentalized. There's it, it, It's supposed to, yeah. No, of course. What? What do you mean? What do you mean? Supposed to? No, I, I, think, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't. I think that uh, I don't know if the whole company got compromised. I think just the the server with the vault stuff. Of course, specifically, this is a a, a gold mine. Um, like for any password company, I think this would be the case. Um, and so of course, uh, it's got it got attacked and the data got extracted. It was encrypted. You're it was saying. Encrypted. Oh, they okay. All right. All right. Extracted, so, they extracted the encrypted vaults of all the users. If it if it actually has been all, I don't know, but it's it's like they they extracted the 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 user vaults from. Okay, that but 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 now even if they got the encrypted user passwords, it's encrypted. It's 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 all protect. There's no way you could ever actually sift through that user data and extract that information and to decrypt and brute force that stuff, right? That's not possible. It's not pragmatic. Well, oh no. Apparently people who had legacy accounts with LastPass, LastPass apparently has a corporate policy where you have to update your password to longer passwords over the years they've made more and more stringent password requirements, but some accounts have been around for a long time and have been grandfathered in, so they didn't have those password requirements updated over the years. And so some accounts, therefore, had weaker passwords on the encryption. And so this is the password to open the encryption to decrypt the password storage, right? So it's right. the password to the passwords. Right. And if those were weak 10 or 12 character passwords, yeah, those could be crackable, and then the gooey nougat center of each user's <laughs> account would reveal all of that user's passwords for every account they had. Is that correct? Yep. That's yep. the way I understand it. Because the way a password manager uses, there's there's still at least one password you have to know yourself. You can't store every password. There has to be one password to be able to get into the database. And that is the one that you can you 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 want to keep under your hat for uh, forever. But uh, yeah, that's the one that gets you in, and that's the one that's crackable. Now, okay, before I get to the next part, which is how the attackers got in, um, is this LastPass's fault? 
the fact that they allowed legacy passwords, that some users chose legacy passwords, is is LastPass, forget legally, but do you think yeah. morally and ethically liable for not forcing users to up their game? Great question. I think so. You do? Okay. Yeah, I, I would that, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> I think that they are they are liable because um I don't even know if I have a LastPass account. If I have one, it's it's old <laughs> and I don't know what would be in it. But there's there's a lot of services out there on the internet. I've been on the internet for a long time. All of us have, uh, you know, uh, since since the early days of the internet. I don't have any idea who all I have an account with. And there's a there's a good chance I have a LastPass account that I have never touched in ten years or however long they've been around. So, um, yeah, they they they, they I, I think that they shoulder all that liability for not making me either update my password or closing out my account and deleting all my data if I haven't signed in in a certain period of time. Okay, Rafti, you were taking the uh, counterpoint there. What what's your take on this? No, I I mean uh, there are a couple of of uh, situations around this. Um, as far as I can tell, they had like how often they hashed the password. There, there's a thing there. Uh, the way it got encrypted. Apparently, some of the stuff was not updated there as well. But if you have a master password, and people are like the reason why password managers exist is um, because people are lazy and don't remember multiple passwords. And I'm, and I think like changing, making a user change their password over and over again just creates bad habits. I saw this in governments in Austria. Sometimes um, they require you to, like, if you're uh, working in an in governmental like department, you have to change your password each year. Um, and so people either uh, each year, yeah, each year, maybe all more that often. Doesn't, I don't that know. doesn't seem onerous. I mean, I you know, having worked in government. I've been in situations where you were forced to change your password every 90 days and some every 30 days. But, okay, yeah. Okay. No, but this makes this makes for bad passwords because you're like uh, putting in derivation of the same thing and then just yep. adding stuff to it. And then it gets yep. like, because you don't remember, then the stuff you add is based on the year or the month. And mm -hmm. so the actual like password bit gets reduced and reduced and reduced. So I'm like, I think for, for, for this reason, I don't like forcing people into recreating new passwords. Um, I mean, maybe there is a point where they should have done it, but then they already like had made the decision in the past that they are not going to do it. And so they stuck with their past decision maybe and i understand it and i don't think that it's 100 percent a bad thing i but i like the question should they have and stuff it's it's a good question I, and i'm you know what I, i'm gonna come down on rafti's camp here strangely enough um <laughs> this is an example of caveat mtor the last pass made a tool available to the user if the user chooses to not utilize the tool in a demonstrably secure way that's on the user you know if the user buys a gun for home protection and then shoots themselves in the foot because they misuse the firearm that's not the firearm manufacturer's fault the gun did what it was supposed to do it shot the thing that it was pointed at it was the user's fault for pointing it in the wrong direction um now with that said I can understand Matt's point of view, and, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, Matt. The perception is if they advertise a tool as being a one-stop shop for fixing all your password problems and unknowing customers who do not have security knowledge or IT acumen purchase this thing or subscribe to this thing and think that it just, I do this one thing and I'm fixed, how are they ever supposed to know better and how are they aren't you selling them snake oil because they believed that this was a fix and it's not. Is that kind of where you're going with that? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's not a secret that LastPass has all these passwords to, <laughs> to offer <laughs> all of these users. You, they, you know, everyone from the CEO down knows the value of the data that they are entrusted with storing. So yeah, that's your, your whole job is to keep this stuff secure why wouldn't you take every step that that uh, or or half ass steps throughout the years so that you you know some people are, are required you know to have the the more stringent password requirements 
But then other people, you kind of go, eh, well, they've been with us for a long time. We're not going to bug them to change their password and update it and all that kind of stuff. And so we'll just leave it alone. And then there may be more to it than that. But Well, yeah. isn't, there, isn't there a business pragmatic view here where if we force this demographic of users to update their password, they're going to be dissatisfied with the service and they're going to stop using the service. Sure. Yeah. 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 There's going to be a percentage of the users who are like this. I, I don't know why they're telling me to do this. Forget about this. I'm going to go someplace else. that doesn't have this requirement. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and that may have been some profitability or revenue calculus that they chose to let go. Or they may have just said, you know what, if, if the user is comfortable with it, we'll let the user, if the user wants to shoot themselves in the foot, the user should be allowed to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, I don't know. And that's a tough question. All right. Now the next question, this is where I want to go next. How'd the attackers get in? Maybe to add to the, to the secure wall thing first, um, they're, as far as I can tell, they did not encrypt everything. So this is maybe an additional thing here as well, which might be interesting. Um, not only be before we go into how they got in, um, it's like they stole the vault and we were talking about they had to sort of like only guess this main password, which might have been, I think, eight characters has been for a long time, the minimum, but eight character long password. Um, and this one eight characters uh, string was then able to decrypt everything else. And so what I... Uh, and let's be clear. Heard. Let's be clear. Yeah. For each user account, it yeah. wasn't yeah. that the vault was encrypted with one single eight character password. Inside exactly. the vault were multiple user accounts. Each user account has a main password to unlock their account. So, okay. And there could but, be tens of thousands of users. It's still practical to brute force thousands of eight-character passwords. That's true. That's true. And the thing is, um, you're talking about practicability. Uh, and the thing is, um, because the domains were apparently not encrypted, you, of course, look through what you've got and pick high-value targets. Wait a second. Wait yeah. a second. Wait a second. So inside the user's account, they only encrypted the passwords, not and the, like not the, the usernames as well. And the, the usernames, okay, the so passwords, and I think so the, the notes field were as well. Encrypted, but yeah. not to what they were for. So, assuming you were the attacker and you wanted to just find people who were using LastPass for banking information, you wouldn't even try to brute force the accounts that didn't have bank urls in them instead you would focus so it helped them narrow down and sift through to those accounts that only had the target info yep. oh that's cute that's really <laughs> cute all right so now there's a short seat now as far as i'm concerned that sounds more like revenue calculus again where they said we could encrypt everything but doing so would slow down the service and it would cost us much more for storage and compute capacity and of course, like, I don't know, I'm I'm like leaning way outside the window here, but there's value in just knowing what your users are storing. Oh. Yeah. There's value there as well. So even with, with the attackers not decrypting anything, just knowing like the patterns, sure. what those people sure, sure, have sure. been, like for what accounts they were having, like this is Demographic, data. marketing, logistic data, yeah. it's it's all value there. And you know, anti-privacy stuff, Rafi. <laughs> I know, um, this is, and, and this is the reason why I, I think this is horrible, but this is the reason why my mind is going there where I'm like, this is valuable data. This is stuff like um, that needs to be protected. We protect this at Safing, you know? <laughs> we, we could see this as well. <laughs> <laughs> see, okay, now, now there, I'm, I'm going to side more with Matt. That to me sounds like a real shortcoming on the part of LastPass. To yeah. make that choice to not do that seems absolutely. negative. Bad. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, no, no. And I'm, I'm absolutely for this. But uh, in regards to is it like good to not have them update their main password? This uh, like other practices, and I think we will go into them more. But this is the reason why I wanted to point this out. Like they have been a little bit like on the shady side, maybe for a couple of things now. So, okay. and this is the reason why I wanted to add this. So, not a, is it just that your password might be short and not good enough anymore? Also, you could be targeted because you're like with a bank which does not have good two-factor authentication. Like 
And so they know they don't even have to bother with those banks. The attackers will... are going to know what they want to hunt for. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All exactly. Right. All right. Now, how'd they get in? This, I don't know. You Rafi, don't know this you... one. Rafi, do you know this one? No, I don't know it either. They socially engineered one of the engineers at LastPass. Really? Yeah. And and I don't know the I don't know the specifics. I don't know the details. And um, again, this this comes down to one of the major security precepts. This should be one of our tenets mounted on the wall in flaming neon, which says the weakest part of the system is the wetware, <laughs> and it's always going to be and. There's no way to truly fix it until you get Skynet, and nobody wants Skynet anyway. Uh oh, <laughs> Rafty's gonna <laughs> Rafty. Go ahead. No, I'm just, no, 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 no. But I, what I like, and I don't know if LastPass did this as well. What I like about One Password, if you get One Password for your company, every individual gets One Password for their family as well, because what they're saying is good password hygiene needs to be a lifestyle. And you cannot like, and so every employee needs to get their whole family into it. And of course, it's a business thing as well, but only the company pays for it. Which sounds um, creepy. It sounds creepy. It sounds creepy. It, Absolutely. it sounds creepy because it's like, okay, now you're reaching your tentacles into my home life. But we understand the rationale here. If yeah. someone can leverage their way, side loading through your sibling, through your children, through your spouse, they can work into your we've combined our work and home lives inseparably now and we can't go back so so i understand it. even though it sounds creepy i get it i get it um and so this of course is an attempt at least by one password as far as i know to reduce sort of like what you're saying like the the capability of socially engineering um your way into a company and I hope, of course, that all LastPass employees got LastPass for their whole family. But <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you have more, more details? It, no, on... I don't have details. Okay. I, I literally okay. do not have any details. And, but here's my thing. And it, and it has nothing to do with the, the, not so much to do with technical implementations or fixes here. We know this about wetware. We know this about the meat sacks. We know that human beings are vulnerable. They're always gonna be vulnerable. And given enough time, any person can be cracked. There is there is no bulletproof person. Um, so I don't even blame the engineer. I honestly don't. That's that's not a thing. I I, I don't want that person castigated, saying you should have known, and you're you know you're fired now. That I don't believe that. What I have trouble with is the business practice that allowed that engineer's account to have access to where the vault was stored and to export the entirety of the vault. Not from a technological ramification, but from a process standpoint, that should never have been allowed. Yep. Yep. Now, now maybe they used it to get in and then once they got in, they did some more cracking and they found other ways, but there sh one person should not be a single point of failure to a company's main data store that way. Um, how do you all feel about that? Do, do, do I sound insane? No, no. The, um, yeah, was, was this one person specifically targeted because of their role in the company? Yes. From what oh. I understand, yes. Okay. Okay. So, huh. This is to me what I would consider an APT. Whether or not it was nation state sponsored, I don't know, nor do I care. Um, this was somebody determined to get into LastPass. Hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I'm thinking of like all of the concepts of, you know, separation of duties and uh, least privilege yes. and stuff like yes. that, that we, that we get into with CISSP and CCSP, but, um, uh yeah how did gosh there I, I have so many questions that i'm sure are completely unanswerable like how did they know to go after this one engineer how did they get him to d divulge his his password or her. how did they huh What's or that? her or her oh it could have been a sorry yeah i'm being gender yeah. specific yeah. here and i should be gender neutral uh -huh. <laughs> but 
yeah. So, wow. So, but this engineer had access to the entire vault. That's my question. And, okay. and I don't, and I honestly don't know, but the mm -hmm. fact is, even if they use that as a springboard, once they got access to the engineer's account, they should never have been able to continue their onion peeling and get into it. You know what I'm saying? Gosh. Yeah. Isn't that? Oh. Uh, All right. So All right. my next question, though, just from a generic standpoint, are the, were the security standards and practices that were implemented at LastPass, are these common to other password management companies, or do they set themselves Or apart? endemic to every company. Every company, right. <laughs> right, right. Is is our whole existence, and I hate saying this because I like money, and I like, you know, I like houses, and I like vehicles, and I like paying for my pet's food. Um, is our whole existence kind of putting our thumb in the seawall that's crumbling around us? Are we pointless? Are we just kind of holding back the tide momentarily? <laughs> what are you talking about? How did you extrapolate the collapse of society from this? No, no, not society. <laughs> security. Security. Uh, is security okay. pointless because at, at root is everything insecure fundamentally? And no matter what we do, it could be circumvented. So we a stopgap measure. I think the first part of what you said there. Uh, is true. Yes, uh, security is is in. What, what did you say? Security is inherently. <laughs> security is. Shoot, I forgot what you said. Now, <laughs> I agree I, I with it, whatever know. it was. Go ahead. You now. do okay, but you know what? Where Ben is going, I already see it. <laughs> oh no, I wasn't. I now I know what you're thinking, and that wasn't where I. I was just positing. You know, is the whole point of having a security effort ridiculous? <laughs> but now I know what you're saying. Now you're saying I'm. I'm I'm uh, soapboxing for my uh, uh, total transparency and, and uh, removing all uh, privacy. From... No, that's not where I was going, honestly. I still uh, believe in security, <laughs> even though I don't think confidentiality is the way to go. There's a way to be secure without being confidential. Anyway, um, I'm, re I'm really wondering, are we a speed bump to the attackers? And as the attackers get more sophisticated and as the AI gets more sophisticated, is our ability to retard attacks going to degrade to the point where we're kind of superfluous? I honestly don't know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, because, yeah, as we can see just in the last 30 or 40 years of IT and technology, things got complex really fast. Uh, where we sit now in 2023, uh, the systems that, that we are charged as professionals with securing they are complicated. They are in depth. They have multiple layers. They have multiple uh, uh, surface areas that they can be attacked on. And yeah, it's it's nearly impossible. Even if you're a you know certified security professional, even if you're a CISO, even if your role is uh, encompasses all this stuff, it's impossible to know everything. There's always something out there that you that you miss or that you you can't account for. So. Uh, yeah, I think that <laughs> the only way around is probably eventually to, yeah, hand it over to Skynet and say, here, Skynet, secure my system for me. <laughs> <laughs> and and none of us like that idea, but that kind of seems where it's going, doesn't right, it? Right. Rafti, I know you want to jump on this. No, I'm just like, <laughs> it, it's funny how I, how I disagree in that particular area so much. And I'm one of the first people I think who would let their car drive itself, you know? <laughs> Oh, and and I, I just know that like this is so the opposite for me when I'm like, well, could go wrong. I can't be, I, yeah, but I can't like I can't be bothered to drive myself. I'd love my car to drive me and me being able to read a book, you know, or do something Have a beer. else. <laughs> exactly. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So <laughs> let's talk about happier things. What the fuck's going on with air travel? <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, lots to talk about there, especially if you're a Southwest employee or a Southwest traveler. They had a, a, a huge thing. But the bigger thing that I wanted to talk about with regards to air travel was the FAA had a, 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 a an incident occur. Okay. All right, Matt, I got to ask you, when did they change NOTAMs from meaning notice to airmen to <laughs> notice to, to air missions? missions? When did that happen? <laughs> I didn't even know that happened. Yeah, that probably happened about five or ten years ago. Yeah, okay. they, right. I, I, right. again, going with the the gender in spe in specificity. 
Which I'm all for. Which I'm all for. Airman is a stupid term anyway. I just, I didn't even know it had changed. All right. So what happened? Matt, do tell. So um, all the airplanes in the United States were grounded. um, And I guess this was uh, about a week or so ago. Nobody could take off or 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 land. Um, well, I guess they, they they could land, but they couldn't take off. New new takeoffs yeah, couldn't couldn't occur. Be funny. Yeah. <laughs> you can't land. You gotta keep circling indefinitely <laughs> until you run out of fuel. Um, but the uh, so there's a system, and of course the FAA has tons of systems. There's you know uh, radars and and air traffic controllers and stuff like that. But one of the key linchpins to all this stuff is this thing called NOTAMS. N O T A M, uh, notice to air mission, uh, which was originally notice to airmen. Uh, NOTAMs are, if you are a pilot and you're getting ready to take off, you file a flight plan and the flight plan shows, you know, where you plan on going, basically all the places you'll go in between who you're going to be talking to on the way, the traffic controllers, uh, directions and landmarks and stuff like that. But NOTAMs are something that you also get when you file your flight plan. And the NOTAMs are things that you as a pilot should know that may not be otherwise, uh, Listed. Yeah. It, 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 it may could be, be like current situation. events. You're right. And there's both general notums and specific notums. So there might be a general notum of, hey, by the way, um, there's a, a new COVID strain spreading. So your passengers are all coughing on each other. There could be a, <laughs> there could be a specific notum that says, hey, at the destination you're going to, a recent flock of geese has moved into the area. Be really, really aware of potential bird strike, right? Right. So so NOTAMs cover all of these things that have just recently cropped up and aren't already in the literature, right? Right. right. And so as a, a pilot, and specifically as a professional pilot, you're required to, when you do all your flight planning, read all the NOTAMs. Well, the FAA has a system for the NOTAMs, and the FAA's NOTAM system went down. <laughs> and so no this, more. Was, was this NOTAM system built by Wells Fargo with a telegraph office? <laughs> I mean, I mean, nope. I mean, the FAA has never been really known for being high tech, right? Uh... <laughs> yep. Yeah, and I don't have all the details of how old their system is. I know it is an older system. But it, like so many systems, it runs on a database, and apparently an outside contractor was working on the database, and something occurred, and the database went down. And so then no one could pull NOTAMs, and the, and the FAA says, okay, well, if nobody can read NOTAMs, then we can't let anybody take off again until we fix this problem. And so Because the NOTAM might be related to a safety issue. Right, right. right. And there's a joke in the pilot community about NOTAMs, and the joke is nobody reads the NOTAMs, but... If you're a professional pilot, you know, flying for an air carrier where you've got human souls on board and things like crashes you want to avoid, you're required to read the NOTAMs. And so if there are no NOTAMs available, you can't fly. Or you're required to indicate you have read the NOTAMs. Right, right. Check the the, box to agree. It's the end user license agreement checkbox, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Read and accept. And it kind of removes liability from FAA. Okay. Yeah, it's a liability uh, issue because, again, anything, especially with professional air travel, uh, you have to have someone to blame for every step along the way. So the air, the air traffic controllers, they, they carry, carry a certain liability. Uh, the maintainers for the airplanes, the pilots, the, uh, the, the owners of the planes, you know, the uh, air carriers themselves, everybody has a, has a share of the liability. And so this is a way to, to assign liability to each one of those pieces of the entire uh, air system that we have. So because the database was not accessible or the push wasn't working or the pull wasn't working, they grounded the flights. Yep, which is not a great thing when you're coming off of a holiday season. Everybody wants to get, <laughs> everybody wants to either get home or they want to get to their, you know, their beach holiday because it's snowing at home or something like that. So Matt, you've got a private pilot's license. You've done some flying. You're not a dumb person. Was this an overreaction on the part of FAA to what could be considered a an acceptable risk? That's a good question because I I don't think that the FAA wanted to shoulder the liability if anything had occurred because someone couldn't get the get a notum. So that, Yeah, they, yeah, but I'm not asking you that. <laughs> um realistically um Almost everything that you would get in a NOTAM, you could get from air traffic control anyway. Uh, See, now there's my other question. Why didn't they have a failsafe, a backup, 
to the NOTAM push system. So the database goes down, big deal. We got fax machines, we got telephones, we got radios. Why not do this audibly or why, you know, there's a hundred different ways you could convey this information, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. And um, I think that, uh, uh, yeah, air traffic control certainly, you know, because you're, if you're flying, especially as a professional pilot, you're always in touch with air traffic control. They, they, they know exactly where you are all, all along the way. They're handing you off from yeah. center to center to local. If there's to something that you need to be notified about, they will tell you before you even ask. You know, they 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 know the the conditions that you're you're traveling around in, or you're going to be taking off or landing in, or stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, realistically, there was I don't think that you needed to have it all grounded, um, but it, from a safety and a liability perspective, I think that they they didn't have a choice but to ground it, and so. Uh, yeah, air travel ground to a halt for a half a day while they fixed out, fixed all the problems. Wait a second. Those two sentences, you slipped them through there from a liability and a safety stand. No, those are two different standpoints from a liability, <laughs> from a liability standpoint. They grounded the fl flights from a safety standpoint. It's probably ridiculous, right? Right. Um, and, and again, there should have been another way for them to do this. The cost yeah. of grounding those flights, the human cost of people needing to get home, of being stuck somewhere, of, you know, some people were stranded in airports that didn't have hotels nearby. I mean, you know, they, you know there was a whole bunch of really uh, painful, ugly, nasty stuff happening. Forget the monetary cost. That should have been addressed. There should no, there should not have been a critical path failure like this that could do something so devastating unless lives were at stake. And it really didn't seem that way. And there should have been another way if lives were at stake to convey that information. And we know there is, right? <laughs> what, the internet? Well, but, <laughs> well, like you said, they could radio well, you. Well, you know, yeah, control, yeah, yeah. control could convey, you know, bird strike possibility at an incoming airport, boom. You know, it would be a little bit of a pain in the ass. It would take longer calls. It would interfere with normal calls, but it would address the safety concern and it'd get you past the hump, right? Right, right. But it's a it's an interesting question, like a half day. I mean, is this just acceptable? Like, because you were oh, saying well, about the backup and this reason, like if they, uh, if it's if it's a single point of failure that can cause half a day of of like grounding um do they change it now do we know something is there, is there for the future a plan b like a backup fuck? i mean i mean that should be the one thing that the faa has locked down is we don't have half day failures of the entire air system that should not be a thing because if it can happen to uh through a mistake what does that also mean that we know about it could have been an attacker doing right. the same thing last time i heard of them grounding all air traffic in the u.s was 9 11 yep. and 9 12 and i think 9 13 right <laughs> um you know that that should be a very extreme thing to occur um that it should not just happen because a contractor screwed up a drop tables command <laughs> and maybe maybe he was social a social engineer as well you know and you know <laughs> if it was a saboteur now the attackers know how to do it right Sequel of course adjusted. this is a joke yeah yeah but this was of course for my part only a joke i just want to know no, i got you i got you. none of us are liable for for whimsically considering what's occurred, but but yes, I I find that absolutely abhorrent. Uh, yeah, yeah. But to follow up a little bit, um, yeah, they they have done a full incident response investigation of of what actually occurred, and because that was one of the first things that everybody thought was, is this a cyber attack on on one of these systems? And they very quickly were able to rule that out and determine that it was in fact. Um, basically, one person having access to the database, uh, doing a, a, I guess, some sort of maintenance or an update on the database. That's almost worse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's almost worse. I'd almost like a malevolent actor instead of a, a fat finger. You know? Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, as we all know, we have access to very sensitive data, and it doesn't take much for us to accidentally. I know I've deleted an entire client's uh, storage drive once because I fat fingered something, and I and I immediately had to <laughs> had to start pulling oh, backups. Hi, hi fellas. <laughs> uh, 
I got some news for you. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, more current events. There's a trend going on in your local area, Matt. You want to share a little something about that? Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, that's actually the reason Joey's not on the call today. Uh, he he was actually texting me while we or while we were recording this uh, just a little bit ago. Uh, I think he's finally wrapped up with his client. But anyways, yeah, major cybersecurity incident going around. It's kind of like COVID. It's kind of like uh, the flu. <laughs> um, one company, and, and Lexington is a city of about a half a million people, and um, lots of small companies that all rely on other small companies, you know, family-owned companies and stuff like that. Well, apparently, if one company gets gets uh, uh, compromised, like their email gets compromised, um, and then that, that email is then mailing everybody in their mailing list, lots of other companies in Lexington have also gotten these emails, and those people have been clicking on the, the contents of the emails, and their accounts have been getting compromised. And so we're kind of seeing a waterfall effect of uh, security incidents that has now reached out and touched both me and Joey personally with some of our clients because we're getting lots of calls about oh i can't all of a sudden get into my email oh i think that someone's saying that i'm sending out spam oh i think this and that and so we're kind of cleaning up and so anyways that was why joey uh was not able to be on the call he's actually doing real work he's actually putting a cissp certification to work because... <laughs> <laughs> now now to me this sounds kind of like a viral aspect of social engineering where it's the trust aspect the recipient of the email knows the sender of the email personally, right. often from right. small business to small business. Therefore, they're more prone to click on a link where if it had come from a stranger, if it came from Dave at AOL 197, you know, they, they right. might have been more skeptical and not have clicked on that link. Right, um, right. But yeah, these, uh, 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 yeah, basically emails coming from compromised email accounts from people that they know. So. And um, they usually set up Outlook rules so that the the owner of the actual email account doesn't realize that they're being sent out. Um, and then as a last act, they uh, change the password and take over the the account, you know, fully or something like that. <laughs> oh, that's just so, cool. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, anyways. <laughs> yeah. How do you address this? How do you get out ahead of this? How do you get to those small businesses that haven't been affected yet and let them know, hey, this is the, the flu is going. It's flu season. It's flu season, y'all. Drink your orange juice, orange juice, and get plenty of sunshine. Oh, and, uh, yeah. There's no getting out ahead of it because uh, you, you know, even if I were to blast out an email to all of my clients, and Joey were to blast out an email to all of his clients, um, it, it still wouldn't be fast enough. And 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 you just don't know who it's going to come from. Because for instance, one of my clients who, who got this email came from someone who he was expecting an invoice from and the email came in and it was what he thought was the invoice. And it came from the exact person that he, that he was wanting it from and the attachment looked like it was supposed to be an invoice and he sure enough clicked it. And then about a half a day later, I get the call. <laughs> hey, Matt, can you fix my email account for me? <laughs> I can't get into it anymore. What's going to happen when a functionality like chat GPT gets combined with these malware um, distribution avenues and the message and the sender becomes tailored to that level of specificity? How are we going to know? that it's not from someone right, right. that we should implicitly trust. Yeah, there's, there's, it, it's, it's already getting really good. It used to be back in the days, you know, it was easy to, to, to spot a, a fake piece of uh, email. Even the fake ones were sometimes good. The, I love you bug, you know, the love bug. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's getting better and better and it's getting to where it's, you know, it's impossible to tell because there is no, level of a, of a spam filter there's no level of uh uh you know training that you could have given someone there's no level of anything that would have stopped this one person from clicking on this invoice email that he was expecting from this person it's exactly uh, th th there's no way around it how do you how do you prepare someone for that <laughs> so mm -hmm. anyways uh, uh you know besides defense in depth you know keeping up with your training you know uh trying to keep all my we, we try to keep all of our clients you know uh, educated as best we can, but no, no training programs. Perfect. And, um, you know, uh, firewalls, of course, spam filters, of course, antivirus, of course, putting all those things in place. 
but it seems like every once in a while something still sneaks through and there's just no you know when, when, when you see the path that, that this uh, occurred there's it's, it's like okay this was perfect there was no way that i could have prevented this and i just have to accept that as a security professional that i can't stop 100 percent of the time these things from happening In maybe that, oh, go a ahead. question in regards to you said they are locked out of their accounts like if they would have had 2fa uh, like with um and TOTP situation um, I think in most cases you can change your password without the second factor. Like, would have wouldn't this be an option to at least have them not locked out of their yeah. account? Yeah, at least the tail end. Yeah, that that seems like a, a reasonable, simple measure, right? Yeah. This is a question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and in this case, this guy, um, uh, the the one I dealt with in particular, he he was able to reset his password. However, what he didn't realize was, um, this was Office 365, uh, the attacker had set up Outlook rules in his Outlook to automatically forward all of his emails outside of the company <laughs> and reply automatically and, and do all this stuff because the rules are one of those things that people don't look at unless they, they are, are, are thinking to look in them. And as soon as he was describing it to me, I hopped onto his account and I looked and sure enough, there had been four Outlook rules set up and I was like, well, gosh, we gotta get rid of these. So we you can know, related to this was another tweet, tweet, twat, whatever I saw recently, and I thought instantly of Rafti. Um, they they enclosed an attachment, and and they said uh, you can tell we're in an economic downturn when the social engineering virus delivery mechanism has now been tuned to Libra instead of Office three sixty five, and was a screen cap of a libra embedded virus interesting That's, yeah yeah mm. um maybe then uh how could we get out ahead of this um I, and of course we already talked about crypto on this episode because ben refuses to accept monero for his for his courses um but like i like with some crypto exchanges if you there are certain levels of sensitivity of settings you cannot change before putting in your password. And you can sort of like with on a Mac, you can unlock the settings and you can do the changes. And as soon as you get get out of the settings and want to get in, they're locked again. So in that regard, um, what of course email like providers like Microsoft, like with Outlook and stuff, if it's online, of course, or Office 365 uh, online, of course, uh, they could do a similar thing um, uh, where they sort of lock settings and you need to get like unlock them with two factor um, to make changes like this. And I think it's just a practice we need to get into to make our software more secure. You know, I, I, I get that. Um, I, I was just thinking the other day, though, the, the amount of time that I put in throughout the day to re-log into systems I've already logged into that day is appreciable there is a certain point where the impact on productivity exceeds the value of the security i don't know where that tipping point is i've already become annoyed by it though because i'm doing all the work as the user to protect something that the vendor or designer or or provider should have done and of course it needs to be smart but it, as matt was saying like in regards to those filter stuff um, which can be very powerful. Like you can BCC something and like someone, and I think many email apps don't even show you that they BCC someone. Like if you put it in BCC for everything, nobody knows that you like that somebody else is getting this message. And for stuff like this, where you like never change the setting um, and you should be aware of what you're doing before you're doing it. I think thinking and you should levels, have to log in again. Yeah, that's exactly. so. Lot, and this yeah. is the reason why I said like with crypto, it's in levels. Of course, you you to get into your account and to see your balance and to do normal stuff. Um, everything is in there. But if you want to add a new bank account to get your money from the crypto, that's like trading out exactly the validation yeah exactly and i would say the providers should have been out ahead of that and realized the 
This is the whole point of what we call um, threat modeling. This is what the stride yep. approach is supposed to do in software development. The developers are supposed to be anticipating the way that a hostile actor could misuse the application. And instead, we're still, we're still finding these novel implementations that the attackers are doing that are low threshold. That should, that yep. should have been an easy nail to bang into the wall. And, and yeah, I... Uh, it's sad. It's sad yeah. at this point. Yeah. And and I don't know of any email client who's currently doing this. I'm currently using for my private email Proton Mail, uh, which is great. And you have, for instance, they're the Swiss, account. right? They're in the mountain. Yeah, they're, they're, the they're down in the coal mine or the the <laughs> right. I, I don't know where their data center is, but yes, they're and they it's have the two passwords. They have two passwords. You have one for your account and then one for your email because sometimes you want to get give your account details to something else, you know, like they offer like calendar, they offer like a VPN as well. They offer like a drive situation, like almost like with Office. And I'm like, those are all things I don't care as much. Like if, if somebody else could see my calendar, cool. I mean, not very cool. I still keep to keep it behind two factor, but at least he cannot send email. If my calendar thing is compromised, even though it's tied into my email account, the email account is extra secure with a second password and stuff like this. Thinking about this, I think is, and as you're saying, threat modeling, I think we, we are hopefully going to see more innovation in there. And if one of the listeners knows about an email app uh, about this, please reach out. I, I'd like to know. <laughs> I, I happen I happen to like Proton Mail and let's go ahead and boost them real quick. Um, they have a free version for anybody who wants to use just the email account. What what do you pay? Do you pay? Do you have a professional version? Do you pay anything for your Proton? Yeah, yeah. Mail? I'm, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm having like I I'm, I did not opt for the visionary tier, um, but I have the one below that. Yeah. And how much? How much? How many euros is that? How many fake coins is that? I think I paid 300 euros for it or something like that. For the year or for lifetime? No, for two years, I think. Oh, that's not bad. That seems reasonable. It's, and it it's, is, it's it highly is. secure. And Proton Mail has gone on record saying um, that I, I think they said they will refuse even certain court orders in turning over your data. Um, they will only reply in very, very certain instances. So uh, they they are highly resistant to penetration of privacy. Um, and as far as I can tell, they're like, I didn't necessarily, I have never looked into it, but as far as I can tell, they're the only zero knowledge email uh, provider at the moment. Like I every other... Right. Every other email provider you look out there, how matter doesn't matter how how much they claim they're private um, and stuff, and they're it's all security by policy. They say Correct. they don't look, but they can always look. They have the capability. The data is there. They yeah. just say they're not using it. Yeah, exactly. I, I, think exactly. I think you're correct. I think you're correct. They're secure by design. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, was there any other current events? Was there anything else we wanted to talk about? I think we hit all the, all the high points. Okay. All right. <laughs> you have some low points in mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, I don't mean, you know, to make light of terrible things and I don't mean to sound bleak about our future, but uh, it's good to keep the pulse of what's going on in our industry every now and then. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, again. Um, Joey, if you're listening, we missed you, and, and we're looking forward to having you on next time. Uh, until next time, I am Ben Maliso. I'm Matt Snotty. I'm Rafael Fiedler. Join us again next week for another episode, the 151st, of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications, Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. And that's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A. -N -N
A-C-I-S-S-P.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel CISSP. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com, and listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash ssoi underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience. <laughs>